Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is September 11th, 2017, and this is episode 217. My name is Jake English. And I am Scott Magnus. And in this episode, we'll talk with John Mioli of the Baltimore Sun to see exactly how much the Orioles have left in the tank. And we'll also do our best to contain our rage. That's nice. That's nice? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. It's the musical theater in me. It's no Sam Dingman, but... We'll do, we'll do all that right after we lubricate the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Scott Magnus, what are you drinking this week? Uh, Jake, I am drinking a hot box coffee porter from Oscar Blues Brewery. Uh, 6.5%. Um, not bad. Not bad at all. This is a canned in North Carolina. Uh, originally, Oscar Blues, I believe, was out in Colorado. Um, but yeah. Brewing right here on the East Coast now. Not a bad little coffee pot porter for going into fall. Porter, that's one of those beers you have to chew, right? Um, Sure, we'll go with that. You know, George Washington actually brewed a, a porter back in the day during the during the Revolutionary War. So, Well, if George Washington jumped off a bridge, would you do this it This is a very American beer on this. Um, I got nothing. Yeah. Well, I'll take your American beer. Okay. And I'll raise you a Baltimore brew. Scott, I have uh, I have dabbled, and I have strayed, and I am going to tone for those sins. I've gone back to an old favorite, and I'm drinking Loose Cannon uh, from Heavy Seas. For a second there, I thought you were going to say Michelob. <laughs> My favorite beer, Loose Cannon. Please let us know what you are drinking throughout the week. Uh, you can let us know on Twitter. You're also more than welcome to join us socially at the bar, so to speak, on Untapped, I'm at Jake E four zero two five, and I am at M A G N eight six zero six. And with that, it's time for a checkup. Time for your checkup. Time for your checkup. I'm gonna check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you've grown. Time for your checkup. Gonna listen to your heart and fix you up, ready to go. All right. So there's not a ton here, but Craig Gentry, fractured right finger. Meeting with the doctors, um, maybe activated for pinch running in September twelfth, which is kind of what we said all before. Who really cares at this point? Uh, in all honesty, do, Jake, do you care? Well, that's the difference between a winning and losing team, as far as the Baltimore Orioles are concerned, is whether or not Craig Gentry can pinch run. Mm, yeah, I don't really care. So let's go to hundred forty characters less this week on the Twitters. And Jake, it is not just us. This tweet comes from Jerry Krasnick. At Jay Krasnick, the hashtag Indians attendance has increased from 19,650 per game to 24,878 this season, but they're still 24th in Major League Baseball. The hashtag Phillies ranked 23rd. 
This reminds me of the experience the Orioles had in 2012 and 2013, where it's like, no, no, this team is for real. Please come to the ballpark. What's weird to me is you look at the Indians and you look at the Orioles, definitely um, mid-market at best teams, probably more low to mid-market teams. And then you look at a team like the Royals, for example, who have seen success in the in, in the past few years, and obviously their attendance boomed um, after they you know had some success in the playoffs and then won a World Series. Jake, is it just going to take a, a World Series victory for a team like the Indians and or the Orioles in order to see that monumental um, increase in attendance uh, and a consistent um, increase in attendance? Because right now it's a what have you done for me lately aspect in terms of attendance as it has been for the past few years? I don't know what it'll take, to be honest with you, because looking at franchises like the Indians, like the Orioles, and others I mean, that have the, done well. Yeah, I mean, the Indians were in the World Series right. last year, so this makes, I, again, I am completely baffled how the Indians are only 24th. Um, don't know. Very, well, very odd. Let's go to some evergreen hashtag content. This comes to us from the folks at Suspetta's Family Barbecue. Tweet, of course, at Suspetus BBQ. As an Orioles fan, I've never been more sure that they're going to lose the game tonight uh, than I am tonight. And that is 100%. Every night, you can say, I am, I've never been more sure that they're going to lose than I am tonight. Every night. Every game. Every day. Yeah, Sunday Night Baseball had a little weird aura to it. It's almost like you were preparing for... It was like a horror movie, basically. Like, you knew... Something bad was going to happen to you. They always crap the bed in uh, national games. I listen to most of it on the radio. So, Jake, we have an unusual situation here, but we're going to allow it. This next tweet from, comes from Corey Baker at LegendCB5. Corey Baker of the O oh, the Anthem podcast. Oh, okay. Uh, love the episode. Love the talk of Ken Yard's routines. But please don't publicize the garage. It's full enough as it is. Also, I once brought like 20 pieces of sushi and ate the tabletops in 272. That might be the weirdest item I brought in. A a lot of feedback this week in terms of Orioles routines. Uh, We got emails from uh, Adam DeVoren uh, and Roderick Laver. We also had plenty of other people contact us on uh, Twitter as well, kind of going through some of their routines in terms of um, you know, everything that they could bring into the ballpark. Folks, thank you so much for interacting with us. This really is what makes this podcast about. Uh, But please... Do not bring sushi into Canyon Yards. It is, um, it's frowned upon, okay? Uh, ba, 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 ba. Hear me out. Okay. What if it was crab sushi? Nah, that stuff ain't real. All right. With the Apple event coming tomorrow, Jake, and the major release of all new Apple products, I thought it was apropos to pull out this tweet from Matt Kremnitzer, at Matt Kremnitzer. Stealing signs? Sure, whatever. But better not slide into second base, though. Of course, this is in reference nice. to the Red Sox um, stealing signs from the New York Yankees with an Apple Watch. Jake, I think that's all we want to talk about with the Red Sox and the Yankees on this podcast, though. Yeah. Can we just go back for something real quick? Sure. So, guys, what's an Apple event? All right, I'm going to pull the curtain back just a little bit here. We had a really great conversation with John Mioli of the Baltimore Sun. 
Unfortunately, technology conspired against us. What you missed was a really insightful discussion about how likely it is that the Orioles will re-sign Wade Miley and how likely it is that we will want to fire him into the sun once they do. We also discussed whether the dramatic arrival of Trey Mancini should make us feel more confident about, uh, more confident about the arrival of Austin Hayes. But you will hear none of that. You'll just have to take our word for it that the conversation was very real and it was spectacular. Instead, join us midstream in the conversation with John Mioli of the Baltimore Sun. All right, the Orioles have made it pretty clear that they're going to give it one more go in 2018. Do you think this is a team that, with, as you noted, a different pitching staff, not necessarily a better pitching staff, can make waves? I think it'll be a lot like this year. And this year would be a lot different if they didn't have six weeks when their pitching was just in shambles, you know? I mean, the offense hasn't been up to its capabilities for really any stretch of the season other than August, but you have to think that with a full year of Manny Machado playing like Manny Machado, if Scope and Mancini can maintain where they're at, maybe Wellington Castillo comes back. Another year of Adam Jones being Adam Jones. A full year of Tim Beckham not being J.J. Hardy. There's enough offensively there to cover a lot of pitching sins. Not as many pitching sins as they had this year, but I think a lot. And that's what they all, I believe, kind of hang their hat on. Many fans have finally started admitting to themselves that Manny Machado is as good as gone. Let me ask you this. Uh, what do you think it would take to keep him in Baltimore, and do you think it'll happen? Um, I don't want to speak uneducatedly here, but... That's I what think we do here. That, <laughs> I think that, you know, high 300s, low 400s number that gets thrown out is something... You know, those things kind of will themselves into existence. <laughs> Whether it's reality or just the player or agent's mind, those things kind of like will themselves into existence. And does he, do the Orioles do that? I don't know. I, I don't want to say no because, you know, that's just kind of like a defeatist attitude and that's just kind of what everyone says and I just don't want to say it based on that, but it's really hard to see them doing that. It's just really hard to see it. All right, if not here, then where? Where, where do you think he'll end up? I don't know. I've always had a weird theory that, like, he'll sign somewhere, whether it's like a day before Bryce Harper signs or like a week before Bryce Harper signs or like a month before, where, like, there's like, X period of time where, like, Manny Machado had the richest contract in baseball history. I don't know where, but I just think that's how it's going to go. And, like, the place might not matter as much for that distinction. And so, you know, everyone throws around Miami as a place that, like, every five years decides to spend money. But if they just decide to spend enough money to give him, like, the biggest contract in the game, they'll do it. I, I really think so. I'm thinking ESPN special, the decision, and we have Manny Machado come on and he indicates that he's going to Miami for the next few years. What could go wrong? That would be... That would be tough for people in my business. I feel like there would be a lot of stress surrounding such, such, a, such a production and, uh, and the knowledge that we aren't going to get that story. But I guess it might actually, when I think about it out loud, be better than like just like, you know, be making lunch one day in November and seeing that he's signing somewhere else and having to deal with that. So at least if it's a ESPN special, we know what it is, right? Yeah. Um, so one of the things that you've done so well, at least I think since coming out of the beat, was kind of weaving into the various sabermetric resources such as Fangrass, Baseball Reference, Brooks Baseball, and StatCast um, into both social media and also your articles. But this is such a difficult task, I think. Um, we here at Bird's Eye View have been trying to do this for you know the past few years, Jake kind of being the, the gut and the visual and myself being more of the sabermetric aspect. Tell us a little bit about your strategy and how you introduce and explain these resources to an audience in Baltimore that um, is often very opinionated on the sabermetric approach. Um, I just always kind of... When I first started arriving at things like that, it was like to satisfy my own curiosity. 
sometimes you just want to know things. You know, if you ask why Kevin Gossman was good X day and Buck Showalter says fastball command, you know, you could just say he was good because it was fastball command, but there's other stuff that goes into these things, obviously. So I just found it, you know, interesting to kind of go in and see. And as far as how you work in, my thing has always been, if I can't explain what a stat is in a sentence, then I probably shouldn't use it. And it doesn't mean it's going to be a clear sentence. And some of the sentences <laughs> have gotten clearer as I've gotten a little more versed in what I'm actually trying to say. But if it takes me longer than one really long run on sentence to explain what I'm doing and what I'm trying to explain and what the stat is supposed to show, that's when I kind of draw the line and say, is this really something that I should be doing here? Luckily, there's not a lot of things that kind of that clause would ex- exclude. You're able to get a lot of different things in there. I just think it's just finding a balance of like explaining what something is and why it matters and what it aims to show without it getting just over explaining. You, you know, there's baseball is a pretty blank canvas in terms of writing about it, but I don't think anybody really wants to be reading a math paper when they open their morning newspaper. There are people that I love people reading people that do like stuff like that, but just for what I'm doing, I don't think that's really the audience that the paper wants me to write for. I think that one of the beauties of baseball is the fact that you can weave both rich and beautiful narrative in 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 with gory math, right? Like baseball, it, it, more so I think than a lot of other sports, is about the story, and more so than any other sport is about the numbers. Um, here on Birds of you know, uh, Scott said that I'm all about the gut, but really it's it's baseball romanticism by the numbers almost. Um, do you think that, that there is any bit of tension, and, and here I'm not asking you to dish on your colleagues either on the beat or at the sun, but do you think that there's any tension between kind of the old guard of the way baseball has been reported for generations versus uh, some of the new authors at, and, and you know, analysts that are using um, – a newer vocabulary to describe what we're seeing to an extent, but you could say that you could say that about every aspect of the game right now from front offices to players to, to writers, you know, I always, you know, there's a weird part of me that like, if I see someone else on the beat, start citing something that I've cited or using something that I've used, I like, it's like 60, 40, like me getting mad, like get off my yard. And (laughs) the other part is like, you know, cool. Like, that person probably hasn't done anything different in like a long time. Like now they're doing something different and like maybe more people might see it now. And then there will be better ways for people to understand the game. You know, there's, there's only so long that anyone can do something the same way before, you know, everyone stops benefiting themselves, the, the people who read or watch them or the teams they work for the, you know, help players will say the same thing. You know, if something's, you just do the same thing. Eventually someone's going to figure it out and they're going to find, you know, a way to get around it. So I think the tension's there. There's certainly when you come in using stuff like that, I think there's a little bit of skepticism and just like, you know, I know I dealt with a little like, Oh, you no, know, he, you know, he thinks he knows everything. It's like, no, I just, I just like want to know the answer to this question. If this is how I have to look for the answer versus, you know, asking the manager, I'm more than willing to do that. All right, so parody accounts are a really big thing within Orioles Twitter. So Rock has a, a, a Twitter parody called Rock Kabako's Arm. So, John, I ask you this. If there was a parody account created about you, what would it be called? 
you're, you're just basically asking me, like, will this into existence right now? Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. You are assuming that people listen to this program, and that is a mistake, my friend. But yes, it'll probably okay. get willed into existence right around, like, one thirty-eight this morning. So, by all means, let's uh, start this. Uh, I don't know. This is, this is, this is, this is, <laughs> I guess, I guess it could have to be my hair. The players comment on my hair. Just you know, my colleagues comment on my hair from time to time. I, I tend to make a big deal about my hair, not because I like it, just because I'm always trying to cover it. So it's jealousy. That's just I, their jealousy talking. That's, that's what I like to tell myself, but it can't be true. <laughs> All right. What, uh, what has been the highlight of 2017 for you? What's been your favorite thing to cover? Honestly, that buddy game last week, that, that complete game, you know, I spent so much time and I thought about it as I was walking out of the clubhouse. I've said so many Dylan Bunny starts are his best start. You know, I used to go watch him in Delmarva and Frederick. When it wasn't even my job, I was just doing it. You know, trying to get the son to let me do baseball stuff on, in between. You know, Baltimore County government meetings, and I would just go to see Dylan Bunny pitch and talk to him, and I would write about him. And I never thought I would see anything like what he was before, post all the injuries. So this time of seeing that happen was just really—it's just something that makes someone like me who likes things to be definite and assured all the way through it's like if you told me two years ago Dylan Bunny would be thrown one head shutouts in the big leagues I wouldn't have believed it but then you see it and you remember what it was five years ago versus two years ago and it makes sense so it's just one of those things that kind of opens your eyes and well I tell you what we're gonna we're gonna knock this out on the most important question we'll ask you tonight so I'm gonna need you to take a deep breath and collect yourself because uh well frankly we'll be judging you on the answer to this question John Mioli Beatles or stones? Beatles. John's a good man. Not, good job, John. Not even a hesitation. Good job, John. That's the right answer. Uh, so, so when I went out to see Hunter Harvey in Delmarva on, uh, on Labor Day, it was like the free serious weekend, and I was flipping through, and I haven't had serious since they had the Beatles channel. And they were doing like top 100 Beatles songs ever the whole way. Salisbury to Baltimore. It was Okay, people are not going to believe that we did not put put you up to this because I've been talking about the uh, stupid Beatles channel for weeks now. So um, thank you for thank you for validating uh, that part of my life. I believe Jake just said it was a stupid Beatles channel. But uh, for folks that want to go and basically read everything about John Mioli, we recommend, of course, following and looking at all of his articles on Baltimore Sun. Uh, John, where can people also find uh, you on Twitter so that you can they can see every article that you po- po- post out there every single day? Um. My Twitter handle is John Mioli, J-O-N-M-E-O-L-I. Everything that any of us do at the Sun, is posted at Paul Sun Sports. And Ed has his, uh, Ed and Cena, my colleague, has his automated feed set up for all of our Orioles stuff at Ed in the Yard. If, I think it's just a good bet to click on all that. And, you know, you get a wide range of perspectives on the Orioles, and we'll get a lot of paid views. And I think everyone would really benefit from that. <laughs> That's right. The dynamic duo at BaltimoreSun.com. Well, John, thanks. So, so, have a good time. Yeah, John, thanks so much for coming on to Bird's Eye View and kind of talking it over with us. And uh, we're looking forward to a uh, a memorable September to come. And like I said, we appreciate you coming on and talking Orioles baseball with us for a few minutes. I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks a lot. Scott, we all have moments of rage at sports fans. 
I can't imagine getting through an entire Orioles season without wanting to throw my television or, in some seasons, my radio through the window. We've talked on this show about our best, well, maybe not best, our most notable, we'll call them, fan rage moments. For me, it was thundering out of the stadium on opening day in 2011 after Michael Gonzalez blew a save to start the season. I was irate. I'm not even sure I have a clear memory of the words coming out of my mouth. I only remember that my wife was very, very angry at me. And if we're on the topic of my wife being very, very angry at me at the baseball stadium, my second best, excuse me, my second most notable fan rage moment had to have been on your birthday. Oh, 30th birthday, maybe? Yeah. Some time like that. Yeah, I think it was your 30th birthday. The Red Sox were in town. We were there. We went to a bar beforehand. Out of the playoff race. That was true. So 2013, right? Yeah, that sounds right. And uh, the Red Sox fans were in town, and they were really obnoxious in our section, and we kept asking these people to sit down, and they wouldn't. And I may have intimated that if the person in front of us were not so fat, we wouldn't have a problem with him standing. Look, it was not a good look for me. I acknowledge that. But I was angry. I was angry that the Orioles were performing poorly. I was angry that Red Sox fans were making themselves uh, obnoxious in our stadium. I was I was angry. I was just angry. And we may have had one too many drinks of the week. Yeah. Maybe. What about, I mean, Scott, we've talked famously about your greatest fan rage moment. Sure. So it has to be 2012 ALDS game number one, where uh, the game is back and forth, back and forth, and then... Jim Johnson comes in, the ever-so-dependable Jim Johnson, and proceeds to um, blow up in the process. I think that game, starting off with the rain delay, which was, what, like two-plus hours. It was not good. Uh, my wife being uh, probably about eight months pregnant at the time. Uh, and uh, just a ton of ton of issues is the best way to describe it. Um, and then me leaving the stadium with your wife and my and my wife, um, because no one wanted to be seen with, seen with Jake English that night, apparently. Um, we're walking back to get our car and it has to be after midnight now. Um, and we get back to the garage and the garage is completely closed and locked down. So I can't even get access to my car, which at that point I am literally, um, chucking my backpack across the street. Um, basically giving up any hope of semblance of reality anymore. The thing is for those of you that, that only know what we sound like, Scott is tall. I mean, he's just, he's ridiculously tall. He's as tall as the day is long. And when he's that tall and angry, it's kind of scary. When you have Orioles rage behind you, It's like Braun Strowman out there. You're a scary person. not 350 pounds or so of it. Is that a thing? Do we just do a wrestling thing? That's a wrestling thing, thing, yeah. So I was reminded of these moments uh, this morning, actually, as I survived the gauntlet at work. You see, my office is at the end of our building, and so I have to walk through the bullpen of my colleagues who know that I'm a diehard Orioles fan. And so, therefore, I must be dying to talk about the gut-wrenching loss that the Orioles have just endured, whatever that may be. And so, in one of these little Monday morning pep talks, as I like to call them, I was treated this morning to a lecture about how losing uh, of the series against the Cleveland Indians was Buck Showalter's fault. And look, Buck Showalter makes a ton of boneheaded moves. If you don't believe me, ask Mark Trumbo, the right fielder. And we call him out, both on this program and on social media. He is not, is not above criticism. But the Orioles are losing games this season against good clubs because they're not good enough. And that was the case 
this weekend with the Cleveland Indians. They got outclassed by the Indians on every chance they could to be outclassed. It was plain and simple. But this guy kept harping on Buck. And it took me a little time to realize he was just venting. He was having what I like to call a temper tantrum. He needed an outlet for his fan rage, and here I was dismissing his objections out of hand. And thinking back, perhaps I should have been a little more understanding. Just to let him vent without needing to be the voice of reason. It's these temper tantrums that make being a sports fan what it is for us. It doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to be reasonable. You don't have to be a real human being. You're a sports fan. I've had moments that I'm not proud of. Scott's had moments that I'm not proud of. But it made me wonder, what is your We'll not call it best. What is your most notable temper tantrum? When did it happen? What was the cause? And how did you unleash your fury? Let us know. Tweet at us at Bird's Eye View, B-A-L, hashtag Fantrum. That's F-A-N-T-R-U-M. Also, you can write to us via email at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Scott, I'll have you know, I just listened to this record, uh, Brian Setzer's Dirty Boogie, with my kids the other night. Turn back up a second. Was it a record or was it a CD? It was an album. Okay, so it was a CD. Yeah. Okay. They were not impressed. They were not impressed, just as you were not impressed. But to the victor goes the spoils, my friend. I believe this puts me in a commanding position of six to four to three. Last week, well, it... It wasn't a good look for uh, for you and Fantasy Boss. We went through the category of K minus walk percentage. My pick, Darren O'Day, uh, put in a decent showing at 20%. Your pick was Miguel Castro, which, by the way, was a good pick. It was a good pick. It was a good pick. Just didn't work out this <clears throat> just week. Just didn't work out for you. Mine was 20%. Yours was 38.5%. <gasps> but in the negative. Oh, Negative. Rough uh, week from Miguel rough, Castro rough week in that particular Castro. area. So, look, things are looking dire for the team and for the fighting Scott Magnuses. It is. So so there's only one thing to be done about this. Wild card! <laughs> so, we already had a previous existing wild card where it's 450-plus feet. Which I love, by the way. So we're going to go right back to that wheelhouse. Um, Jake, uh, my wild card's going to be uh, which Orioles player is going to hit the next multi-home run game? Ooh, that's a good one. Do do I get to pick first? Absolutely. Manny Machado. All right, I'll be going with Jonathan Scope. All right, chalk versus chalk. I like it. And to continue this thread of dongs on dongs and dongs, Jake, I asked you this question. Which Orioles player is going to have more dongs this week? 
Now, is this a wild card or is this our standard category? This is our standard category this week. Oh, it's, so it's, it's Dong, dong Watch. The Dong on Dongs. Dong, dong on Dongs. Oh, man. Dong the on Dongs. thing is nice. I like that. <laughs> Birds on film. Um, the thing is that nobody's hitting. Nobody. I feel like one of us could win with a single dong this week. Yeah. Um, so who will hit the most dongs this week? Oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Adam Jones. All right. I'm going to go all in Johnny scope. Okay. So you are riding the scope train. Scope all on the way scope. Through. Scope on scope. <laughs> oh, that, nope. that doesn't work as well as dongs on dongs. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think dongs on dongs works as well as you think it does either. So who will own it? So we, we now have two wild cards and a category this week. Yeah, we got dongs on dongs. Right, pay attention to your dongs this week, guys. That's right. It's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to go ahead and go first this week, as most weeks, so we can let Scott rant at the end. My good for this week is Manny Machado. He has simply been in fuego. It's nice to see him pull out of an early season funk this week. 153 weighted runs created plus a 403 Woba. Soak it in, folks. Whether or not he's with us for the long term, he is very, very good. Uh, so my good this week is going to go to my playoff deposit because that should be returning into my paycheck in my bank account uh, within the next few weeks. So the good for this week in Orioles baseball is the playoff deposit that I will be receiving back into my bank account in the next few weeks. Nice. My bad goes to, well, it goes to Mark Trumbo in right field. Buck Showalter, you crazy mother. Why? In the name of God, would you put Mark Trumbo in right field? Look, I don't care if Mark Trumbo doesn't do as well at the bat when he's not in the field. In any stadium in the league, Mark Trumbo is bottom three of people that you should allow in right field, and that includes the catchers. If we're looking at the people that I'm going to pencil in right field, forget the outfielders. He is not the first non-outfielder. I stick in right field if I want a chance to win. And lo and behold, the ball found him on Monday night. I'm not saying it's the reason the Orioles lost, but it is absolutely crazy to think that if you care about winning games at the end of the season, if you are trying to scratch and claw your way into the playoffs, that Mark Trumbo and Wright is in any way a good idea. Maybe for all this ranting, I should have left that for my ugly but it's bad. Jake, my bad for this week is going to go to an individual that was good in my book last week, and it's going to go to, go to Dylan Bundy. Dylan Bundy had a chance to capitalize off of one of the most impressive starts that we've ever seen in Oriole have. And in turn, he gave us four innings of some pretty um, awful baseball, posting an 11.25 ERA and a 10.15 FIP. Um, Dylan Bundy was just simply bad. He was not on his game. He did not have command of his pitching arsenal. He just was completely off. Um, so Dylan Bundy was bad this week, which is a shame because he really, the Orioles really needed their so-called ace 
to step up this week. My ugly goes to the Orioles' roster decisions. Here's the thing. Last week, we praised the Orioles for choosing quality over quantity when it came to their pitching. And we specifically noted that Mike Wright was not on the team because the Orioles wanted to bring up pitchers that actually could pitch rather than, you know, human beings that have had a pulse. And lo and behold, what do we see? Mike Wright brought to the majors. The Orioles cannot continue to do this if they want to win games. Look, I know the pitching has been terrible, but Mike Wright does not belong on a major league pitching staff. Mike Wright has made that clear. The Orioles and their roster decisions this week are ugly. Jake, my ugly for this week is going to have to go to the Orioles offense. Look, we can harp on the pitching as much as we want. And we will. But in reality, it comes back to the Orioles offense went cold at its worst possible point. And by doing so, uh, they basically have buried this team. The Orioles, since the beginning of the Yankees series, have posted a 53 weighted runs created plus. Is that good? Uh, it's second worst in all Major League Baseball right next to the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are having an equally worse tailspin than the Baltimore Orioles. But at least they are still going to get a playoff spot. So you're saying the Orioles are better than the Dodgers? Uh, About that. (laughs) Anywho, the Orioles offense is completely ugly. And unless they get it turned around, uh, the Orioles are not going to be even going for a playoff spot. They're going to be struggling to even get to 500. I think the, the chase for 500 has begun for the Baltimore Orioles. Let's hope they can get back above that, that mark. You're making me sad, Scott. With that, I, I beg you, please blow this save. All right, so Jake, I'm going to go into Baltimore and territory a little bit here. But we've talked about this before, about how the aspect of sports and politics has a tendency to intertwine. And everyone loves to point back saying, hey, I don't want you to get involved in politics or outside of what you're good at because you should stick to sports. And I I think we've seen plenty of examples of why that shouldn't be the case, whether it has been through Adam Jones earlier this season, uh, whether it's through recently been through J.J. Watt um, getting involved with the charity cases recently um, with Hurricane Harvey. Uh, and I, I don't think we can look any, you know, to a better situation actually than um, September 11th um, in 2001, where Major League Baseball really came together, and there really was this symbolic aspect of we need to move on as a country, and what better way to do that than to buy to play a baseball game? And I know it seems kind of like, eh, it's not that big of a deal compared to everything else that was going on there, but at that moment, it really was a big deal. And I remember looking back at those games the whole country came to a stop and it felt like things started to progress again and turn back into a normal sense of reality and normalcy. And that static white noise, which is baseball sometimes um, when those games got played again. And I, I certainly remember turning back in and watching the Orioles game. I certainly remember turning in and watching the Yankees game to kind of just see president George Bush do it. It's that static noise in the background that makes you realize that life is still going on in the background. And 
while we enter into this September where uh, the Orioles are certainly putting up a bunch of static at this point, um, let's be let's be clear that sports has a role in our lives, um, if anything, just to entertain us during the hardships and horrors that we see on a day in and day out basis. But don't for a second believe that sports can't play a role in terms of making um, this world a better place and or worse place, depending on how we shape it. Scotty, I'm really glad to hear you say that. You know, I wimped out on adding something to this week in the Twitters, and now I think it's worth going back for. There was a really interesting segment done by Rachel Nichols about this for uh, The Jump, and rather than me trying to summarize it or say anything about it, I think we should just play it. Go and find this clip on Twitter. She tweets at Rachel underscore Nichols. Here it is. So over the weekend, we continued to watch so many extraordinary residents and volunteers power the massive hurricane cleanup efforts down in Texas. Here at The Jump, we've been particularly following along with our guys, Tracy McGrady and Stephen Jackson. Stack is from Port Arthur, Texas, and after the hurricane, he raced back to his ravaged hometown to help raise funds, distribute clothes and food. T-Mac and his wife, Clorenda, they've been remarkable also. During the worst flooding, they took people into their Houston home. And in the time since, they've been collecting and giving out donations to help with the rebuilding. And look, we've been seeing stuff like this over and over, right, all around the world of sports. The Texans, J.J. Watt, man, has been astounding, raising nearly $20 million in relief funds. Rockets owner Les Alexander, he donated $10 million just on his own. James Harden has been visiting shelters. He's put up another million, and the list goes on and on. It has been a stark reminder of the role that athletes have at the very core of our communities. It's also instructive for those who spent so much of this summer telling athletes to stick to sports. I mean, stick to sports was always ridiculous to begin with. It implies athletes somehow just, you know, materialize a tip-off for the amusement of the crowd, as opposed to being living, functioning human beings with as much of a stake in this country as anyone else. But in particular, the whole stick to sports thing is revealed as completely absurd when held up to the light of what we've been watching down in Texas. You can't applaud athletes for putting their passion and resources into addressing the very real and physical damage caused when a person loses their house to a flood, but criticize athletes for putting those same passions and resources into addressing the very real and physical damage caused when, say, an unarmed person is shot and killed. It can't be socially acceptable for an athlete to give out food at a hurricane shelter, but not acceptable for him or her to address a politician trying to defund school lunch programs. Either it's okay to care that kids have enough to eat, or it isn't. Either athletes should be invested in helping people in their communities, or they shouldn't. And no one on the outside gets to decide for them what kind of human suffering is okay to care about and what kind isn't. Personally, I'm thrilled to see so many athletes down in Texas caring and so many athletes around the country caring about so many things. They make it better for the rest of us. Yeah, that. That's exactly right. That's pretty much more elegantly said than I basically rambling and, and muttering and everything going on. Um, we all can do better. We can all help out. We can all do something. It's so easy to be focused on uh, what is going on within the baseball games. And what I saw on Sunday, more people were being focused on fantasy football than what is going on, what was currently going on in Florida. Um, 
sometimes it's important for us to step back and say, what can I do to better help things out? And if that's through sports, great. But sometimes it doesn't have to be through it as well. So, Amen. And that's our show. Remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. They're okay, but Bird's Eye View is a proud member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. You can find this show on baltimoresportsreport.com slash network and also on baseballtalkradio.com, the home of great baseball talk. Our show is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. We'd appreciate a rating and a review. It really helps establish what's called social proof about the show and encourages new listeners to check it out. Uh, and engage with us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Google+, really Google+, Plus, and really. Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at BeardsEyeViewBAL. And with that, Baltimore and beyond... I'll bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. I hope people get a lot of dongs on dongs this week. Dongs on dongs. What about after dark? Dongs on dongs after dark? That could get dicey. So could the 2017 season. still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Dongs on dongs.